The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Real Madrid win El Clasico against FC Tecalona. What next for Brassic Barca? In France, PSG win Le Classique, while Mbappe says U-turn, hold my beer, UK government, as he reveals he's not unhappy at all and was having a nap. There's another big win for Union Berlin in the Bundesliga and more pain for Xavi Alonso. And in Italy, the Derby della Morley, where Juve passed the Turin test and shows signs of life. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show. Hey, listener. It's the 18th of October. It's a Tuesday. As I sit here with my pals, got that Alvaro Romeo, some Julian Laurence. Hello. And a big, big, big dose of James Thorncastle. Where's Rafa? You say, <laughs> well, he's in Cologne. Like Marilyn in Chelan number five. No, he's actually in Cologne <laughs> or, or nearby there. Uh, but he will be speaking to us later on, which is nice. Plenty to discuss uh, this uh, week. We've got oh, big games, Classic, Classico. Also, Monday, Football World, agog for the uh, announcement of the biggest awards of all. The FSA Awards 2022 shortlist, which dropped. And yes, we're up for the uh, yes. podcast of the year. Please don't let our bitter rivals win with their endless recycling of stale old cliched material. Do they still exist even? Adam Harry's football cliches. Yeah, it's really popular. Okay. Why? Who did you think I meant? Oh, um, no, I meant, I thought you, thought you meant our old, old friends. No. No, no. James, and don't are... wind up the opposition because otherwise Manchester City will complain. Nice, nice. Well, there were also other gongs and baubles on offer on Monday, not least the Ballon d'Or. And you can hear the raw excitement in my voice. Jules, who won it? Kareem the Dream. Woo. Yes. And disputed. Must be a big surprise. Winner. You never know. I mean, I think Lewandowski was pretty sure of winning it um, mm. before and didn't. So I guess sometimes, uh, because it's a vote, uh, you still don't know who Henry Winter would vote for. For all we know, he might have voted one Jordan Henderson, two Jude Bellingham, and three Wayne Rooney. Who knows? <laughs> you never know. I, I see. I'm not, not sure where you're heading. But the Madrid that. lobby is strong, Jules. I mean, you must be particularly satisfied having, a, 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 what, it must be a year? I, I don't know how long it was, but your Kareem the Dream thing is, is very yeah. much, it's, it, I, I saw every foreign outlet announcing it as Kareem the Dream. I so know. I'm actually pleased for you that it's it come off. Caught up really well. And it's my, my oldest child, of course, Rafa, who, who came up with it from... For people who don't know, Hakim Olajuwon, the uh, former basketball player who was a uh, Houston Rocket legend, was Hakim the Dream, really. And he's the first, he was the first one to be named like that. And we just recycled it for Karim, who is a big fan of it. Uh, and then he caught up very quickly everywhere, literally everywhere, which, which is great. And more seriously, he deserves the, the award, which I know you don't care, James, and I think a lot of people what? don't care within the game, which is fine. I get it. It's an indi individual award for, for a team sport. But for him, and I think for for some of the players, it means a lot. And this is it was his dream. It's a it's a lifelong dream. It's a right. it's a whole career achievement, and it's an incredible result for an incredible year. So you know, it's it was a special moment. No, absolutely. Can I just can I just clarify that I was only shaking my head that we only dedicated about a minute of the show to how you came up with Kareem the Dream. 
as a tagline. <laughs> people, people deserve the right to know. Uh, very good from Benzema, and it's incredible that La, La Liga has been producing, or having at least, the Ballon d'Or since 2009. Wow. All the Ballon d'Or winners are from La Liga. Well, uh, I mean, Messi last year was at PSG, but done for his body of work, work in La Liga. I... I guess, I guess we can take propriety of that. Well, I guess, right. but anyway, maybe Ligan does. But... Still, it's very impressive. Messi, Modric, Cristiano Ronaldo, Karim Benzema right now. Mm. There you go. Okay. Also in Paris on Monday night, as you may well have seen, Barcelona's Alexia Puteas got the women's Ballon d'Or. Uh, Man City were awarded Club of the Year, and also there was a Socrates Award for Sanjo Mane uh, for his. All his charity work in in Senegal, which is the, the first year that they awarded this new award for Socrates, of course, the um, the doctor. Uh, and every year we'll go to a, a player who does something great, uh, humanitarian wise, of charity work in his own country or in his where he lives, you know, whatever. So that, I think many for all the things that he does in Senegal that we don't know about or that is not very much publicized i think it deserves it too and on a on a more fashionable note i mean the shirt of sadio mané i know that in this kind of uh, ceremonies you can wear a tuxedo or a suit sadio mané was uh, wearing just uh, like a shirt i will define it as a shirt a shirt blending with a t-shirt but it was really 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 cool you have to see it really a tremendous choice still not as cool as karen benzema wearing the two-pack Shakur suit from back yeah. in the day, all eyes on me. You know, that was what a touch. And one other thing from Paris, after saying that I wasn't that bothered about it, great to see Sebastian Allaire uh, on stage, who's uh, undergoing chemotherapy for that testicular tumour, but presenting Thibaut Courtois uh, with his award for best goalkeeper. Hmm. Anyway, that was Paris. Now, Rafa's joining us later on, but he has already sent us a moment of the weekend. So let's start off a round of those with him. A moment of the weekend, I think, was the eighth minute of Union Berlin's 2-0 win over Dortmund because Gregor Kobel slipped, let in Yannick Habera, and from then on, it was Union all the way. One in such impressive fashion to defend their lead at the top of the table and to consign Dortmund to yet another pretty miserable experience in the Bundesliga. They're down to eighth. Mm. So, big moment um, for the top of the table and a team that wants to be top of the table but isn't. Very nice, Raf. All right, Jules, your moment of the weekend. My moment of the weekend is to see Laurent Blanc uh, back on a bench in, in Ligue 1 six years after he was sacked from from PSG six and almost and a half years uh, with Lyon not that he started well because they lost Aren and we, we'll talk about it a, a bit more later but yeah to see him back on a bench on a sunny day in Brittany was lovely oh that is nice Alvaro 
I don't know if it's uh, convenient to return to the Ballon d'Or thing, but uh, the weekend of Karim Benzema or the last couple of days of Karim Benzema have to be my moment of the week. Could have been Cavani scoring a brace, which is nice. Um, could have been Goodell, a beautiful goal. But Karim Benzema, at the end of the day, you know, he won the Ballon d'Or. He scored in El Clásico. He is looking sharp after turning 30. He admitted yesterday, uh, talking to media, that after he turned 30, something switched in his mind and he started like looking after himself better very, very, very well. And, you know, probably the most uh, revered signing of Florentino in 2009 uh, by Florentino is Karim Benzema, even more than Cristiano Ronaldo, even more than Kaká at the time. Florentino Perez really did like Karim Benzema and the relationship with him has been fantastic over the last 13 years. So I think that Karim Benzema deserves to be the moment, the moment of the week also because he scored the opener in El Clásico. So what a couple of days for him. And, and the new contract is coming. So we will have the, the goal and the win in the Classico, the Ballon d'Or, and then the new deal until 2024, which will be announced very soon. So, yeah, I agree with Alvaro. Pretty special few days. Very nice. Uh, James, would you like a moment of the weekend or a special few days of the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed seeing Daniel De Rossi making his uh, debut on the sidelines. Uh, he's become the new Spal manager. I think that was uh, announced whilst we were recording last week. Daniele for me is yeah, arguably my my favourite ever player, favourite ever person in uh, in football. So kind of great to see him uh, get underway, albeit with a nil nil against Cittadella, uh, Spal in the bottom half of the table in the second division. Um, but uh, wishing Daniele well, uh, and you know, I mean, if we go to his the club he's most associated with after Boca Juniors, Roma. <laughs> um, quite incredible scenes at Marassi on Monday night as Massimo Ferrero, the, uh, the Roman former owner of Sampdoria, who is largely responsible uh, for them being bottom of the table. Ferrero this time last year was arrested, um, was briefly uh, behind bars. Uh, he thought it would be a good idea to come to a Samp game um, and was then hounded out uh, by the, the Samp fans, uh, had to leave with his tail between his legs and a security detail around him, um, which, yeah, I think was, in terms of moment of the week, I think it was just worst decision of the year, really, mm. um, to, to come to a, uh, to, to a club to watch a game when you're, you know, a lot of, many Samp fans would, would criticise him and say that he is responsible for, for the state that they're in and the risk that they face of going down. Mm, absolutely. Bottom of the table, Sam. All right, much more to come on this Totally Football Show. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Real Madrid beating Barcelona in the Clásico there Sunday afternoon. Barcelona in their special Drake Owl logo jerseys. Thanks to their Spotify deal. It's like the curse of Drake didn't really exist. Uh, Drake, by the way, backed them to win at Barcelona uh, in a, a reported half a million pound bet. That didn't work out too well, did it, Alvaro? Crypto, though, come on. <laughs> No, no, uh, the losses have been uh, massive. I don't know if he cares that much, really. Laugh but, uh, now, cry later. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Barcelona, not the best he ever had. <laughs> um, <but no. laughs> 
but yes, tell us about the game, Alvaro. Well, I, I think that it shows uh, where these two clubs are at the minute. Uh, Real Madrid uh, won it with a style, I would say, but uh, it looked like they always had everything under control. The numbers don't tell always all the truth. Barcelona reached this game uh, having conceded only one goal, but the truth is that uh, the um, expected goals against Barcelona were way higher and Ter Stegen had been miraculous for Barcelona as of late. So, you know, Barcelona got into the game probably needing a, a win for their own reputation, but uh, the important wins of the week should have happened against Inter because Barcelona is effectively out of the championship. So that was how Barcelona arrived into the game and Real Madrid arrived into the game as a championship winner, as a Liga winner and uh, playing with um, the efficiency that they showed last season to win the Champions League. They didn't create many chances. I mean, uh, only... Eight shots for Real Madrid in the game, and yet they scored three goals. I think that they never uh, had any doubt uh, about uh, who was going to win the game. And uh, then uh, they were capable of uh, just controlling the game, looking like they weren't under control. Because Barcelona mm. had the ball, but Barcelona didn't know what to do with the ball. They were slow. Uh, the game plan is always making sure that you give the ball to the wingers and the wingers send it to Lewandowski but Lewandowski gets marked because everyone knows that he's the focal point of Barcelona where Real Madrid has so many sources who can score goals starting by Fede Valverde Rodrigo Benzema Vinicius in Barcelona everything is more simple and um, you know with a coach like Xavi who was uh, a man who had a panoramic vision of the game when he was a player and uh, he liked to send the ball from left to right to the striker to the defender. You could expect Barcelona to have a little bit more of a moving game, uh, but they don't have many circuits. So Real Madrid won easily. Mm. Right, well, Lewandowski did produce a, a, a delicious back heel assist for the lone Barcelona goal. Fran Torres about eight minutes from time. But as you say, uh, very comfortable for Real Madrid. We've, we've already lauded Karim Benzema, who's in, in, enjoying a such a purple patch in his career, but Fede Valverde with another sumptuous strike in this game. Yeah, I mean, he he is a player who can produce this. I mean, when he started training with Real Madrid back in 2017, it was the players who were asking the, the manager to keep him because Fede Valverde came from Real Madrid-Castilla, the second team, and from the very beginning, the rest of the team made show that Fede Valverde had the potential to stay in the first team. And he's improving day after day. I mean, he must be one of the only players in the world who does horizontal runs just to escape the pressure, which is something very characteristic of this guy. He doesn't pass it if he doesn't have to. He just runs with the ball horizontally and nobody can catch him. And then his uh, shot from the long range is incredible. Last year with Uruguay, he scored a couple of beautiful goals from the long range and I think that uh, opened the, the way to the goals that we are seeing now. He's very confident, he's uh, taking the shots every time he can and even Tony Cruz said after the game that uh, Fede Valverde was probably one of the top three midfielders in the world. Tony Cruz having a good game as well, controlling the game very easily, very well, uh, without having to run a lot and, um, you know... When the team works, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. Benzema, Tony Cruz, they are as old as Busquets is. But Busquets, you know, uh, he lives in an environment of no control. This Barcelona doesn't have the control or loses the control very easily, especially in the counterattacks. And, uh, you know, this Busquets is very obviously exposed. Whereas Tony Cruz, the other day, he wasn't because he was very well supported by his teammates and then he was flourishing. Uh, you mentioned Ferran Torres before. 
Mm -hmm. I don't understand why Ferran Torres was making that gesture after scoring, as if he had had a very good season and he was vindicating himself. Ferran Torres has been terrible since January, right. and uh, he, was, he was just showing his right, ears Jules, like Riquelme. Jules, stop, stop. <laughs> like, uh, like Riquelme, the Spanish guy, like Riquelme mm. in La Bombonera, you know, as if he had scored a beautiful goal or something like that. Well. Ferran Torres has, has had a very bad time since he came to Barcelona, not only in Barcelona, but also in the national team. So I didn't understand why Ferran was doing that. But yeah, generally speaking, a very easy win for Real Madrid. And Barcelona was very fragile and uh, Xavi didn't... Uh, probably he took responsibility, but he takes it in a very sui generis way. Because uh, he says, yes, I am responsible for what's happening, for the individual mm -hmm. mistakes, for what Eric Garcia did, and blah, blah, blah. But we have worked on that. So he's always putting that at the end of the sentence. So I think that he's just taking responsibility, but he's passing it on to the players as well. So, mm. you know, it's not a good moment for Barcelona, Jimbo. No, indeed not. Indeed not. Uh, Juan Laporta had to be asked to leave the match officials' dressing room after the game, demanding explanation for one of two controversial decisions. The press calling Barca, the Catalan press calling them soulless. For the, I mean, it's been a, a rough week, as you say. Failure to beat Inter in that 3-3 draw last midweek leaves their Champions League hopes hanging by a thread. Uh, and, and, of course, they have that, that fairly complicated budget, which they've managed to yeah. uh, put together, which is pretty much based on them reaching the quarterfinals minimum in the Champions League. If Inter win against Pilsen next week at home, Barcelona are out of the competition. So... A lot of finger-pointing going on in Catalonia right now. Rafinha, yeah. some are questioning his acquisition, 70 million euros, one goal for Barcelona in 12 games. But the majority of, of questions, I guess, are for Xavi, who, who had a great start when Barcelona were playing kind of smaller sides. But in all the big games so far, I think I'm right in saying, his Barcelona have, have come up short. Certainly this season. Uh, last season, Barcelona had a very good run in February, but... The concerning thing about Barcelona is that, number one, they seem to lose all their chances in the space of 10 days. Maybe because football it is like this. But last season, uh, they just lost the La Liga game and then they lost to Frankfurt and the season was pretty much over for them. This season, after the international break, in two weeks, they have ruined it uh, for various reasons. But they are out of the Champions League. Almost. They are almost out of the Champions League and they lost El Clásico. So... Everything happens very quickly at Barcelona. That's mm. the thing. They haven't had the time of, uh, as they say in Latin, Pax Romana, in which mm. uh, you can actually relax for two, three weeks, win the winnable games, gather your energy and put it together into the next game. They haven't had the time like this. And the thing with Xavi is that Barcelona in February or at the beginning of the season, they show glimpses of a great improvement. But then that improvement doesn't get consolidated. Isn't it the responsibility of the coach to consolidate what goes well? Mm. With Xavi, that doesn't happen. Well, I guess he's dealing with a lot of new players. He does have... As he's the, dealing uh, with his own evolution as a coach. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a rookie mm. uh, at the end of the day. Okay, it's one thing to be coaching Qatar. It's another thing to be coaching in Qatar. It's another thing to be coaching Barcelona at this stage of where Barcelona are. Um, it's a huge ask for a guy. Whatever we think about Xavi being Barcelona DNA and all this sort of thing, it's you know, it, people like Pep are one of one. You know, there are, 
it, it doesn't mean that uh, just hiring another old Barcelona guy is going to work, even as someone as intellectually uh, apparently brilliant as Xavi when it comes to expressing what it means to be Barcelona. Mm. And I think we're seeing those we're seeing those shortcomings. I mean, he has a worse win ratio than Jules's friend, the Dutch guy. So. Mm. And he's had a lot more investment in the team. So I think we're just seeing another, dare I say, Pirlo um, situation, as much as I love Andrea. For all, of, for all of that, just to say, they are second in La Liga right now, only three points off the top. And I know that Inter should beat Victoria Pilsen at home, but uh, let's check back on, on this in a week <laughs> or so. James on this. It might not be <laughs> as over not. as you think. Yes. But anyway, anyway, I, I know that Inter has this uh, fame of jinxing it and, and uh, flopping it in Italy. Um, but still, uh, it's not great for Barcelona to be dependent no. on uh, Inter Milan, right? Absolutely not. So Real Madrid, anyway, moving three points clear after nine games. Uh, Barcelona second. Then you've got Atletico Madrid, who beat your lot, Alvaro. 1-0 there in Bilbao. Losing Jan Oblak again to injury in the course of the game. But Antoine Griezmann with the goal, that was his 100th league goal for the club. And they can start him in matches now because they've completed at the actual signing from Barcelona. They did, and it's better for everyone, I think, because uh, Simeone wanted to play Griezmann. Uh, it was so obvious, and now he can start him. And the truth is that Atletico de Madrid... Um, they won at uh, Bilbao, which is something that they don't do normally. Over the last two, three, four years, it's been very difficult for Atletico to, to win there. Last season, they didn't beat Atletico Club Bilbao, not at home, neither away, neither in the Super Cup. And uh, this time, I think that Atletico Club Bilbao deserve a little bit more. Uh, they had uh, many chances, especially in the second half, Inigo Martinez, Raul Garcia. But uh, when Oblak wasn't there, they had like a second goalkeeper who was uh, just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, his name was Reinildo. And, uh, you know, this player, honestly, came into uh, Atletico de Madrid's squad without uh, being a noisy signing. Uh, there weren't many expectations about him. But, uh, you know, he is fixing so many issues for Atletico. He's very good. And, uh, you know, Atletico got a clean sheet, the second one in a row. And this is the best possible thing to get for them because we know how Simeone rates these things. The worst thing for Atletico after this game is that the wing was a little bit pyrrhic because Coque uh, was uh, injured and he's going to be three weeks out. And, you know, we all have our calendar and our countdown every Everyone, Jules, uh, James Holcastle, yourself, me. And uh, Koke being out for three weeks right now, well, let's put it this way, puts into, into question his participation in the World Cup. Wow. Elsewhere in La Liga, Betis looking good again. A 3-1 win over Almeria. They are third in La Liga right now. Uh, ooh, Jorge Sampaoli, Sevilla, got a win. 1-0 in Mallorca. You mentioned the goal from Gudeli. Uh, and we've got a midweek round coming up as well, Alvaro, with Sevilla taking on Valencia, Gennaro Gattuso's Valencia. Barcelona are up against Villarreal. Yes, Villarreal. Uh, Villarreal won with the brace of uh, Danjuma Grunewald, uh, that player who has two identities. Mm. And uh, if you look at the top seven uh, of La Liga right now, I think that it makes a lot of sense, and these seven are going to qualify for Europe for the next season, uh, unless Sevilla wakes up, uh, which they are little by little, but they, they've got a lot of work to do still. Uh, Villarreal, they are doing well. The, the game against Barcelona is going to be pretty fascinating, uh, because Unai Emery likes to go at the camp no, and then uh, normally Barcelona tends to get uh, the winner at the end against Unai Emery sides. But... Uh, 
you know, uh, you have mentioned uh, Villarreal, you have mentioned Valencia. Uh, Gennaro Gattuso gave us another little uh, thing to laugh about in the press conference when uh, he told us basically that uh, Mamar Dasbili, the goalkeeper of Valencia, went to Gattuso after the game and he apologized uh, to Gattuso because he made a couple of uh, mistakes. And Gattuso basically hit him hit him and told him, it doesn't matter, it's all right, you know, but the Gattuso way, he doesn't just hug you, he hits you first and then he gives you a hug, a hug. so yeah, that was nice from Gattuso to tell us a little bit of insight of the locker room of Valencia. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, El Clasico in Spain. Meanwhile, Jules, it was Le Classique in France. We'll talk about that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Bill Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. They go Neymar in first half stoppages on the assist from Kylian Mbappe, handing PSG the win in the big game. Sunday night in Paris over rivals Olympic Marseille Jules. Like we can believe a word you say after the way you led us and so many unsuspecting fans down the garden path <laughs> or up it even last week with that Mbappé business. Yeah, I was on not the bollocks, only one to more be like. fair because we were all brief. I think he did the right thing on Sunday to be fair seeing... Uh-huh how out of hand the whole situation went to come in and see us after the game and just say like, yeah, I was having a nap, I was sleeping, it's not me behind. I was, this. So, I was and my mum and dad, by the way, they were watching my brother, so it's not them either. Um, <laughs> you know, not, none of this is all true. I'm happy here. There was nothing else different he could have said, really, yeah. and I think he's right to play this sort of calming game absolutely uh, there was nothing in any way strange about him first of all having contact through his people with all these journalists in the middle of last week he as you say was having a nap yeah uh and uh was stunned when he found out on wednesday which is why it took him four five days to come out to the (laughs) press and say no that's completely not true at all it's all lies yeah i I completely am with you well done julian mbappe um, you know, my curiosity after this uh, statement from Killian, uh, they were watching his little brother, um, his, his entourage. Is his little brother any good? Is, is, <laughs> yeah, is he, is, Ethan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's I mean, good. He's not as good as Killian. He? He's, a, he's a midfielder. He plays for the under-19, so in the, youth, in the youth league, they were watching him playing against Benfica. 
uh, before the, the 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 big boys game, mm. um, and it's a very talented PSG team where he's he's playing really well. So he's got a good future. I don't know how. D- does he want to leave as well? Is, Maybe is that was sick of being the actual yeah. pivot. <laughs> yeah. So you know, for a long time he didn't sign. He didn't want to sign for PSG. So mm. there was always a doubt, like, oh, he's not signing because Kylian is leaving. So he's going to go with him wherever wherever Killian goes, but now he's under contract. So it'd be harder if you're Real Madrid to get the two brothers or if you are, you know, Chelsea or City or whoever, Liverpool. Well, I mean, what is the position now for uh, Mbappe? Everybody knows that what he said was 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 nonsense, either midweek mm. or now. And I, I mean, I know which I think. But does that mean everything's fine or does it just kind of get buried until until there's a possibility of him actually moving like next summer? Yeah, no, I think not buried, but I think... Until he meets with the club, which is not is not scheduled for a few weeks now, and then there will be the World Cup, so he's going to disappear for six weeks, well, potentially six, up to six weeks. So it's it's weird, as we've all we said last week, the timing was weird anyway of what happened last week before the Benfica game, but now it's 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 difficult as well for him to follow it up because this is too much time between now and the January transfer window when he wants to leave and he knows that they're not going to let him go. So he will have to wait until the summer, which is even longer to wait. So, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really funny one. Mm. Um, and I mean, I guess the irony is that he gave the assist to Neymar on Sunday night in the Classic, that after the game, Galtier made a point, but like too much of a point of saying, did you see? He didn't play as a pivot tonight. Did you see? Did you see where he played? Did you see what I did tactically here? He really enjoyed the game. Uh, what what did mean, he, he do, played, Jules? Tactically, he changed the formation to um, like a four-three-one-two or two-one, depending. I mean, Messi and Messi was pretty high next to Mbappe, and then Neymar played more as a ten, which was the idea for Neymar to play between the lines and to sort of disturb the press from Marseille, which worked quite well. So, so same with Fabian Ruiz, who played really well, really high when PSG were building up from the back, so they could play long to him because he, he's tall and strong and Ruiz had a very good second half I thought and I can I think we're going to see the, that 4-3-3 again with Ruiz playing more and more now um, but Mbappe was still was still not playing off a striker so Galtier was not really genuine when he said did you see now you know in that position he will enjoy his football more because it's not really the truth but mm. but at least it worked and Mbappe could should have scored one two maybe Paolo Lopez in goal for Marseille was outstanding I think the XG for Paris was 2.3 um, what was they only scored the one goal just what was the Olympic Marseille's because they seem to have a lot of chances I mean Donnarumma looked like he was having another great game yeah, he had, I mean, two big big ones at the start of the second half, especially because they had 18 shots, Marseille. They played mm. really well. They pressed high, really high. They were really intense, aggressive, as we would expect a two-door team to be. But to do it in Paris is great testament of the good things that he's doing right now. Of those 18 shots, not all of them were, a lot of them were from outside of the box. Uh, and maybe they lacked a little bit of composure or something a bit special to threaten PSG even more. But yeah, the Mbemba shot and then the close close one is is the best save from, from Donnarumma. That was really good. And on another day, maybe they could have got a draw and they concede on a silly mistake by, by Arit, who lost the ball to Verratti when he should not have tried to dribble past Vitinha and Verratti. Then there was easy passes for, for him to make. So that, that's really frustrating from a Marseille point of view. Mm. But they played well. You know, to concede, if you're PSG, concede 18 shots at home was was not really reassuring. But it felt like really like a classic from the old times 
where the two teams were good uh, because before <laughs> it was too easy for Paris. This time, Marseille really gave, gave them a game and I think that's really promising. Okay. Well, they dropped to fourth in uh, Ligue 1. Six points now behind uh, PSG, who still have a three-point lead over the team in second, which is Lorient, although they only managed a, a nil-nil draw this weekend, Lorient. Four new managers across the French top flight this weekend, Jules. Lyon, Brest, Auxerre and Reims. And Montpellier now as well. Oh, and so Montpellier five. now, uh, after the week, weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah Montpellier wow. as well. Dalaglio is gone. Well, none of the four from last weekend enjoyed a, a winning start. Although, as you mentioned, Lacazette putting Lyon in front against, uh, well, away at Rennes in Laurent Blanc's debut. Lyon's run, what is it now? One draw in six matches. Uh, yeah, that's right. They took one point out of 18. One point of 18. Yeah. I mean, Blanc, Blanc said he loved everything about the day. And then he thought about it and went, well, apart from the result. Th- thank mm. you, uh, Larry White. That was... That was um, <laughs> That's the nickname we've got for Laurent Blanc because he always fancied himself as, he can't speak a word of English, but as right. this kind of English manager. So in France, we call him Larry White, obviously for Laurent Blanc. Um, right, yeah. But he loved the day, great, great for him. He was obviously playing against, uh, you know, Pep Genesio, uh, who got one <laughs> over his former club, which is always very happy. And also the two goal scorers for Rennes, Terrier and Guiri, are former Lyon players. Everything was pretty much reunited to make Blanc's debut and return in, in the league. No, a good one. I think Lyon played played well. They they scored two, as you said, two Lacazette goals. They, he changed the formation, went to a back three. Awa, who was put in the cupboard by, by uh, the other Dutch guy for all season, really, is back in the team now with Laurent Blanc, which is not surprising either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Boateng is back as well, which is a silly idea because he was obviously dreadful for the 60 minutes he played because he can't play more than 60 minutes at his age. Uh, so there's still a lot of things to work on for Blanc. But it's good, yeah, it's, like we said earlier, it's good to have him back in the league. There you go. Nantes beat Brest 4-1 in the, what do you call this, the Derby del Nord? Du Nord? No, Derby, uh, it's one of the Brittany Derby. Brittany Derby, just one yeah. of the Brittany Derbys, all right. And, ooh, Lille with a 3-0 win over Strasbourg. Jonathan David. Up to nine goals now for the season with a brace in this. Yeah, he's he's the guy Friday night. I mean, he's he's, he's amazing. Until the Neymar goal on Sunday, he was the, the top goal scorer in the league. We said it in the summer, didn't we? Like, how on earth did he stay there for another season? I mean, good for Lille and good for Ligue 1. But I wouldn't be surprised if, even if in January some clubs were coming, especially if he has a good World Cup, which... I think he can with Canada, uh, but he's an amazing, really an amazing player. He's got everything, he, he can do everything. He can even play in different positions. He's got the versatility and he's such a good finisher. He's, he's just so cool. His body language, you know, everything about him is cool. He's composed. You never really see him excited or, or over the top, nothing like that. It's just, he's got such a great mind to be a, a very, very clinical striker. He's it's, it's a great, and he's still so young. So it's nice. No, it's a good season for him and I think Paolo Fonseca was always going to be good for him and the, the style of play that Lille have now. Um, and and yeah, for Strasbourg, it's worrying for Julien Stéphane. Mm, very. Excellent. Thank you, Jules. Next up, let's catch up with our pal, Rafa. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. All right, Rafa, on your way to Köln as we speak. What are you doing there in Köln? I'm interviewing Callum Hudson-Odoi. Oh, uh, nice. It's not in Köln, but uh, Köln is the nearest airport to Leverkusen. So, I see. Yeah, Leverkusen. Well, they're, they're certainly on my agenda to ask you about after what happened to them this week. But let's start with the the top four facing each other. The top four set to part one, which was the the aforementioned Union taking on Dortmund and a two nil win for Union, who've now opened up a four point lead at the top. They've won four games in a row in all competitions. They haven't conceded a single goal in that time. This latest scout, possibly the biggest yet. Rafa, at what point did they start to become concrete candidates to end Bayern's reign? I think it might take a little bit longer until we're fully convinced that they can go all the way. A little bit a la Leicester, where I think mm. only in what March and April people started truly believing they might do it. So still a few months to go. But I think we have to take them very seriously as far as Champions League aspirations are concerned. They've been so consistent. They play in a very particular way, which sounds quite simplistic on paper. You know, lots of running, lots of fighting, lots of man marking. Uh, very good on the break. But they probably do it better than anyone else in the league at the moment. And they're a team totally in tune with their own idea. And with the wider club being very united and, and sort of cheering them on and creating this incredibly ap- atmosphere at the Alte Försterei, it makes for a winning package. And they've been very, very impressive. And Dortmund were just the latest victim. It was their neighbours, Hertha Berlin, who had the kind of the five-year plan for getting into the, the Champions League. And that hasn't worked out too well. But Union, was this something that they were kind of working towards? And, and how do you think that they would deal with that kind of further step up? Well, they were already in the running until quite late last season. And then we were sort of joking the whole time. Haha, you know, Union going to the Champions League, uh, impossible. They made it to the Europa League and it looks as if they might go on better this year, simply because they have a consistency and a unity and a togetherness that just is very much absent everywhere else including Bayern to a certain extent, but certainly the teams that you'd find usually in contention for these places, they're all struggling. Dortmund, Leverkusen fighting relegation. Uh, you know, who else would we put up there? Gladbach in transition. Um, the, the door's wide open and you see Freiburg being in the mix and maybe Hoffenheim as well, but certainly Union of the uh, outside contenders going by far the strongest. And they have... Inos Fischer, a very unassuming but very clever and capable manager who I think almost goes out of his way not to say anything interesting to kind of deflect attention a little bit just on how good they've been. But it's no longer a secret and I think it's difficult to hide. Absolutely. Is there anything you think that they're missing to really make a run for the top four or more? I don't think so. A lot of people were saying, well, with Europa League and all these games, surely their their squad is not big enough and they will struggle. But 
their worst results have sort of come in in the Europa League and slightly less convincing performances. But in the Bundesliga, they've been absolutely rock solid throughout. Um, and even in the Europa League, they look as if they will qualify for the knockout. So now there's nothing obvious. Um, they have real quality. They have pace. They have this discipline to do all the things that, in the words of Edin Tezic, a lot of professionals don't want to do. So the basics of running and fighting and all this kind of stuff. And they do, they're just doing better than anyone else at the moment. There you go. Bayern, meantime, moving up to second place. Four points, as I mentioned, behind Union. This after they put five plus Freiburg in the other top four clash. Five different goal scorers for the Bavarians. Uh, and a big question, though, with it, are Bayern better when they play with a number nine? In this case, Eric Mapsen Chupamoting. I don't think you could say that they're better, but certainly Chupo Moting had a good game. Against a very poor Freiburg defence, they hardly made any effort to stop the Bayern side. They scored a lot of easy goals, but he held the line really well. He scored a good goal, good combination with uh, Sadio Mane. And I think sometimes it helps to have that focal point. It was a bit of a su- surprise decision by Julian Nagelsmann, maybe also with a view of a midweek game in the cup coming up. But it, it worked out very well. You remember that uh, Lewandowski missed those two games against uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Eric-Maxim Choupo-Moting was leading the line then. Unfortunately, on those two occasions, he fell rather short, which is why I think this is not going to be a long-term scenario. Uh, but I think in the odd game here or there, he, he might still do a good job. OK. Among the goal scorers, uh, Leroy Sané, but the bad news... He's now done his hamstring. Yeah, he's done his hamstring, but um, apparently it's not that bad a tear. Uh, We expect him to be back within a month or so, which would just leave enough time to be okay for, for the World Cup. So not ideal, but it could have been worse. Mm. All right. Well, uh, mentioned the situation at the top with the Union four clear and then a cluster of sides by Munich, Freiburg, Hoffenheim and Eintracht Frankfurt in fifth. Down the other end, Bayer Leverkusen dropped back down to 16th place, the relegation playoff place, after getting thrashed 5-1 by Frankfurt on Saturday. Yikes. Xavi Alonso's record as Leverkusen manager now looking a, a, good less, a good deal less glossy than when we last spoke. Yeah, it does. Um, scored five, conceded eight. Well, four. Four of the five were in the in the first game against Schalke, who are one of only two teams below them in the league. Since then, they lost 3-0 against Porto and 5-1 this time around. What happened? What happened was that all the frailties that got his predecessor, uh, Gerardo Suane, the sack, came to the fore again. Leverkusen were totally switched off defensively. They played without any sort of aggression and intensity. They were barely on the pitch. And while they're very talented, I don't think they're talented enough to play completely without any sort of physique and an effort and just rely on their football. So a real, I don't know if wake-up call is the right word, but a real shock, I think, for Xavi Lonzo to see just how deep the malaise runs there and I think the idea would be for him to somehow try to stabilise things and then have a real good go during the, the World Cup and winter break to see if he can really change the mentality and maybe the, the setup of the team because right now 
it looks as if the problems are so go, go much deeper than than who the manager is, which um, makes it interesting because I thought that initially this was a very good decision by him to go there because this is a talented team then the Champions League. They just needed a bit of maybe TLC to get things going again after that poor start, but maybe it's 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 worse than he anticipated. So he'll have his work cut out, I think. There's also, of course, the um, the curse of having had a sympathetic write-up in The Athletic, which never bodes too well for Bundesliga managers. Be sure that you write something truly nasty about uh, Chelsea loanee Callum Hudson-Odoi then when you, when you speak to him. <laughs> For fear that, uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, give him our, our regards. Uh, what are you going to ask him? I'll ask him about his time in Leverkusen, how he's settling in, how he's experiencing Xabi Alonso, what it's like to play in the Bundesliga, what it's like to live in Germany, how he got on at Chelsea at the end, what was it like under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, there's, I think, plenty of stuff too. There certainly into. is. All right, look forward to reading that, Rafa, soon. For now... Safe travels, and we'll catch up with you next time on the Totally Football Show. Thank you, James. Raphael Honigstein. Excellent. Next up, let's turn to our pal James and hear about Syria. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered overstar. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. James Horncastle. Round 10 of the Italian season, I guess, after what happened last midweek in the Champions League, the big question was, what would Juve do in the Turin derby? If you weren't across the Champions League, La Signora falling to one of their worst results ever in Europe, losing 2-0 away in a must-win fixture to Maccabi Haifa. Yikes. Anyway, it was the Turin derby this week. Potential for further disaster was elevated. How did it go, James? Well, it went well for Juventus uh, in the end, James, because uh, they got a win. Uh, and look, you know, Torino, they're really awkward to play against uh, as every Ivan Juric team is. They press you high, they're super aggressive. But what we also know is Torino are crap in this fixture. Um, they've only won it once uh, in decades. Um, yeah, that was back when uh, Giampiero Ventura was uh, was coach and they had players like Qualiarello and Damian. 
And in this game, they didn't have any strikers because they let Bellotti go. Sanabria was injured. Um, and so, you know, as, as rough as Torino could make it, they didn't really have a threat. Um, but Juventus, look, it wasn't a fluent, it wasn't a sexy performance, but they were up for the physical battles. And I think the, the player who really kind of uh, symbolized that was Dusan Vlajevic. Uh, Vlajevic played as though he knew that the Serbia coach, Dragan Stojkovic, was, was in the stands um, and played as if he knew what a delicate moment it was uh, for Juventus as well um, because he was tigrish in fighting for every ball, in just really expressing in his body language um, how important that game was. And, you know, ultimately he... He got the only goal and Juventus afterwards downplayed whether this was a turning point in their season. They felt that there have been other ones and ultimately there have been false dawns. It's still going to be a, a long and winding road um, to, for Juventus to, to get back to where they need to be. Um, but certainly after the shameful uh, defeat in Israel uh, where Andrea Agnelli came out and said he was very angry. It's not the coach's fault that the players can't win a tackle, um, that ultimately Allegri will stay. Yeah, he found it very hard um, to envisage uh, changing manager in season. I think when the players returned to Italy uh, on the Thursday morning and went straight to the training ground where they weren't allowed to leave until after uh, the derby, it really reinforced to the players that you've got to sort this out because the manager's not changing. And, you know, I think um, they've made a baby step towards sorting it out uh, at the weekend. All right. Federico Chiesa could be available for Juve's next match. As it stands, they remain eighth in the table, but they are now six points off the top four, so creeping a little bit closer to a Champions League place. Ten rounds in, it's Napoli who lead. They're two points clear of Atalanta. Lazio and Udinese's goalless draw on Sunday means that Milan have moved back up to third with their 2-1 victory at Verona. Roma, with uh, Monday night's uh, 1-0 victory over Sampdoria, which you mentioned before, are now fourth. Napoli, with 3-2 winners against Bologna. How many goals is that? 42 for, 42 for the season so far. They're averaging three goals a game. They've got 15 different scorers, James. Yeah, not uncommon for a Spalletti team um, because you know, Spalletti sides are all about the collective um, multiple threats. And, you know, I think that's been one of the encouraging signs uh, with Napoli this season is the depth that they've got. I think they've got depth in more areas than in others. So, for example, up front, you know, they've been able to cope without Osman. Osman keeps coming off the bench and scoring as he did against Ajax. He did again um, this weekend. But I think, you know, what's interesting about both of the surprise-ish title contenders, um, because, yeah, let's face it, Napoli have challenged for the title regularly over the last decade. Uh, Atlanta have given the uh, impression that they might challenge for the title. Um, is that, you know, both of them came from behind uh, at the weekend uh, and really showed their, their character as a test of their mettle. Um, Atalanta came back from behind against Sassuolo on their 115th birthday um, and are uh, undefeated still. Uh, I think it's their their best ever start, better than in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, 
than when they had Papu Ilicic uh, and Zapata up front. And I think they've it's the first time they've won seven of their first 10 games since 1963 or wow. something like that as well. So I think, you know, we, we've spoken about how COVID years are years where there's potential for disruption and uh, a change at the top. I think the World Cup year is is very similar uh, in that regard. And we could we could see a fourth different champion in four years. Wow. I mean, if it was Atalanta, that would be huge. The, the big thing in Italy is how you never get the so-called provincial sides winning the title. Not since, what, Samp in Samp. 91. So yeah. it's been a while. It's been a while. 2-1 victory over Sassuolo for them this weekend. And the kind of early star of their campaign is Adam Ola Lookman. Yeah, Lookman with, with four goals. Um, he only scored six in, in all of last season. Um, and, you know, Gasparini excited um, by the kind of directness that they have uh, with Lookman. Um, yeah, Gasparini afterwards was saying, look, we're, we're, we're getting back to being the best Atalanta. Um, last year was kind of a, a blip. Uh, we had a lot of injuries. Um, we were kind of still figuring things out. Ilicic, for example, came back from compassionate leave and is not the same player and has subsequently left. Um, you know, Malinowski, for example, is obviously, yeah, Malinowski has been impacted uh, deeply by the Russian invasion of, uh, of Ukraine. Um, and, you know, they have this kind of newish forward line, um, which is is quite exciting. But at the same time, what's interesting about Atalanta is they don't press like they used to. They aren't as aggressive as they were. Um, they sit back and play deeper um, than they did uh, at any time in the last five years. Uh, they sometimes start playing with a back four, which again is is, is different. And defensively, they're very sound, um, which is you know is, it was always their shortcoming um, to people in in their other great years. In 2019, it was that there was always a feeling that they would you know it was harem scarem we'll score four um you score three or something like that and instead they're, they're they're extremely solid and they've got a really good crop of young players from their academy again gasparini never afraid to give players their debut if they're ready so scalvini uh Ocoli, who was part of criminese's promotion winning team last year and yeah, this is Gasparini's league, and everybody else is living in it. I mean, we've seen that huh. the we've seen that the new coaches coming into the division, they've all played under under Gasparini, Palladino, Bocchetti, who replaced Trophy at Verona, uh, Tiago Motta. You know, these are all guys who who played in Italy for for long stages of their career, formative years under under Gasp. Well, they're two points off the top of the table. Some key matches coming up before we break for the World Cup. They'll be yeah, taking Jules, on... Jules, James, sorry, quickly. Mm. You mentioned Federico Chiesa. Mm. Uh, Pogba is is back in training with the, the with the first team this week, which is uh, encouraging, I suppose, if if, if you're a, a, a Frenchman, a French uh, a French woman, a, fr- a France national team fan. But again, early days, quite tentative. Yeah, um, yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Especially Cantevi in as well. Alvaro. If there's any team that can cope with with midfield depth it, or any depth, it's France. Yeah. So really, we should. Young guy who plays I, I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> told me. Shuam something. Mm. 
Hey, but back to Serie A, everybody, where Atalanta, two points behind Napoli. Now, they'll be taking on the Neapolitans in two, three weeks' time, two and a half weeks' time, with some big games coming up for the Bergamaschi and the question of you know, how far can they go. We'll, we'll get a bit of an indication before the World Cup with that game against Napoli. And then they've got Inter as their final game before we break for the, uh, for the business in Qatar. They don't have cups, of course. Could be an advantage. No, uh, and uh, they don't I mean, you could cups. say the same for Juventus, probably. But uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, they, they, I mean, Juventus's real risk is they'll, um, is they still finish third in that group and they go into the Europa League. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that 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 wouldn't be great. But look, I mean, for, from Napoli and, and Atalanta's point of view, uh, you know, Atalanta completely out of any uh, European competition. They didn't qualify for one last year. Um, they have very few players going to the World Cup. The same can be said for Napoli. This is another reason to be encouraged by them. And if we look ahead to the weekend, um, mm. we'll have the Debbie del Sole on 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 Golazzo, Napoli between against Roma, and uh, that's a Roma team that will be without DiBala. Is still kind of depending on on penalties and set pieces to win games. So a big opportunity for Napoli to get another big win under their belts. And also Atalanta play Lazio and. Uh, Lazio will be without Chiro Immobile. So again, mm. y- you see that in Napoli and Atalanta's case, yeah, things kind of falling their way uh, a little in, in going into big games where their opponents will be wear out, arguably their best players. So um, still early days, but reasons to be encouraged. Oh, yeah. Wow. If you're, if you're keen to get a look at Napoli again, because they are the most thrilling team to watch right now in, in, in Europe, they'll be hosting Rangers next week in the Champions League before that Sunday night. Tune in to see how Roma, who have the best record at home in terms of conceding goals in City, only two so far this season, how how that record bears up to uh, the onslaught of uh, Cavara and company should be uh, should be a fascinating that one that one and, and Atlanta Lazio equally beforehand very good. Uh, anything else you want to tell us about James? Well, James, because this is what um, they do in Italy, they decide to have their awards ceremony uh, on on the same night as the Ballon d'Or because they thought everyone would turn off uh, what was happening on in, in, in Paris and and watch the Gran Gala di Calcio nice. uh, or the Football Oscars, as the Italian football, uh, the Italian Players Association uh, likes to call its 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 event. So. Um, yeah, Rafael Leao, uh, unsurprisingly, was was named Player of the Year, having already collected the Serie MVP award uh, from the league itself at the end of the season. Um, and then, if you actually look at the Team of the Year, Tomori is in there. Um, so that was Mike Mainian, uh Jules's friend, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Bremer, Tomori, Teo Hernandez, uh, midfielder Barella, Brozovic, Milinkovic, Savic, who. Uh, Chiro Mobile has been saying he's on the same level as Kevin De Bruyne. We're going to see a bit of Milinkovic at the World Cup. Hopefully he's better than he was when he played in, in, in 2018. And then and then Vlajevic, Immobile and Leao up mm. front. So, um, And purely the manager of the year. Yeah, yeah. No one would begrudge purely that, uh, that nice. award. But, um, but yeah, so, so that's, that's pretty much that, um, James. Um, All right. You know. There you go. Listen, that's that. Let me just remind you that the FSA award nominations are out. Whoever you choose to give your vote to, you know, make the trip to their website and and post that vote because whoever it is, I, I know they'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate a little bit of recognition. 
sometimes it's tough. There's not always, you know, a lot of positivity out there. So just a little little something back, whoever that podcast or writer or figure might be. Yeah. Excellent. Alvaro, many thanks for today. Jules, you and all. James, lovely stuff. And Rafa earlier on. Look forward to him rejoining us uh, next week. And producer Charlie and, and you, listener, thanks for your loyalty. We'll speak to you next Tuesday. We're back on Thursday with a you know regular show. But next Tuesday for the Euro edition. Hope you have a great time. In the meanwhile, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.